Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. We, in honor of Halloween, have a spooky, scary episode for you. (laughs) No better way than that drop to introduce my co-host. It is Dalton Heldon. How you doing, Dalton? Oh, I'm doing well. I would give you a hard time for that pun, but last week I said something about you being on the down, Loza, and my friend won't stop making fun of me. I want to blame our, our boss, Jason Klobaka, for that. But uh, anyway, yes, it's, it's Halloween. It's football. Um, I, I moved over the weekend. I'm officially in my new house. So uh, yeah, let's get to podcasting. Let's do it. But before we do, I have to make fun of you about something because um, Dalton, Dalton has never heard of autumn mix candy corns. I can't believe... I have had autumn mixed candy corns and red wine for dinner numerous times this month. Uh, Dalton, what do you what do you think autumn mixed candy corn is? I mean, I've heard of candy corn, obviously, and it's usually the, the low of the low of the, of the candies. But what? Um, I don't know. What, what's the difference between the autumn mix? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe you have to change my mind here. The low of the low. It's, I'm not saying like I'm eating Smarties or Spree or Pixies. Oh, Those candy. are the worst. That is true. Those are pretty bad. But really, candy corn. I, oh, I, I like so your contrarian good. view here. The oh, autumn mix is chocolate and then the mini pumpkins, which a lot of people have strong feelings about. But I feel like if you eat the pumpkins slowly, instead of putting them all in your mouth like a little piggy, they're much more enjoyable and they last. I, ha- I haven't tried the autumn mix, so I, I guess I-, I have to give that a shot first before I trash it as well. All right. Well, coming the day after Halloween, I'm going to go to the CVS, get myself some 50% off and ship you a bag of the Automix. And if you don't like it, send it back to me because it's still a good stale. Anyway, let's move on (laughs) and talk about Todd Gurley because he is in the midst of potentially the best fantasy season ever on pace for 32 touchdowns, which you noted in your week seven wrap up article. I appreciated that. He's also outscored the Bills, the whole of the Bills just by himself, 88 points to the Bills, 81 total points. He's single handedly dishing out fantasy defeats. Can you keep it up? So Marshall Falk in the year 2000 had a massive season, but he did that in 14 games. I'd say the best comparison is Tomlinson in 2006. Put up 2,300 yards from scrimmage, 31 touchdowns. Right now, Gurley, 2,200 yards from scrimmage and the aforementioned 32 touchdowns. That's his season's pace. So he's right there. It's 100 yards less, but one more touchdown. So 
wow, just a, a massively uh, impressive season that doesn't show any signs of slowing down. I strongly recommend people check out a column on, on 538 by Josh Hermsmeyer. Um, he basically points out that what Todd Gurley is doing is just a product of, of Sean McVay. Obviously, Gurley is fantastic, but the Rams have perfected the, the 11 personnel. He has like 100 more carries against six men in the box and the next closest running back, I believe, is Kareem Hunt. It's just the situation is just amazingly conducive for massive, massive stats. Just can you th- imagine the budget he would cost if you were in an auction today, Gurley versus the rest of the field in fantasy football? You pay all the money for him, especially if all you had known yeah. how the depth at the wide receiver position and how scarce yep. running backs were going to be, uh, especially this year. I mean, I, of course, like him this week, week eight. Green Bay is at the Rams after, I think, three weeks on the road or coming back home. The Packers coming off a bye will travel to Los Angeles. Their run defense giving up four and a half yards per carry, and they've given up six rushing touchdowns, which is tied for eighth so far this season. I'm assuming he's your RB1, yeah, this week? Yeah, and you can't really price him high enough right now in DFS. To me, it's not caught up to him. He's worth worth paying for, and it's just it's awesome. I mean, just I, I don't see any any signs of slowing up. Obviously, this pace for touchdowns is tough, but the the, the offense is on a record-setting pace. And the team, the fact that they don't slow down off in the fourth quarter, uh, of course, they're going to rest some players in blowouts, but the setup here is just, uh, it's, it's going to be historical. What about the Raiders? Let's move north of Los Angeles oh, and talk about potentially the biggest news of the week, and that was that Amari Cooper was traded to Dallas. John Gruden too busy upgrading to DSL to bother to tell his players that Cooper was in fact moved, which was just a perfectly Gruden-esque move. Does this matter at all? I mean, are you? do you think that he was traded for a first round pick? So I guess we can say like, congratulations, Gruden. Uh, you got that. I don't know. Uh, you know, the Eagles weren't willing to pay that. They were only offering a second round pick. Do you think, though, that this elevates Amari Cooper's fantasy potential, keeps it the same, or it's all just can we please get a toilet flush drop? Yeah. So on this very podcast last week, I said I'm out on Amari Cooper and watch him get traded to Dallas and I'll be back in. So, of course, that that does happen. And here I am back in. But I'm going to keep my expectations a little bit in check here. As much as I like Amari Cooper, still just 24 years old, I, I think his, his future remains very bright. It is tough for teams that change during the offseason at the wide receiver position, let alone mid-season. mid-season so right. I think I think he should be owned in every in every format, pretty much. Uh, I really do because of the upside. But I, I'm not going to treat him as a, a savior. And I do think it helps Zeke. Uh, how could it not? I mean, the, the team, defense is going to just totally focus on him. So it can't hurt there and probably uh, probably helps Dak a little as well, obviously. But, but most people are probably not relying on him. So, yeah, it's an interesting move. And NFL is so boring during trade season. We'll see if something happens with Le'Veon Bell. So it was, uh, yeah first rounder and, and good for Oakland trying to stock up at this point going in full tank mode but fantasy terms you know it's not earth shattering yeah I think in fantasy terms it does more for other players as you mentioned Zeke and Dak than it does for Amari Cooper on the Oakland side of things I think the biggest beneficiary of this and Marshawn Lynch going on IR is Jalen Richard. the Raiders I think yeah. it was we all know now have dropped five of their last six games and every single one of those games except for week two at Denver Jalen Richard has caught at least 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 six catches so he is clearly Derek Carr's favorite check down option and without Cooper being there and he's second in team targets to Jared Cook like I think Richard is just going to get so much run because when aren't the Raiders going to be trying to come from behind 
Yeah, and it's certainly hard to rely on Doug Martin at this stage of his career. And uh, uh, other other things I'd mention is, is Jordy Nelson, interesting play in DFS this week because he's cheap now, free some targets up. And Martavis Bryant, if he's available in deeper leagues, you know, there are going to be targets there with, with Amari Cooper gone. So well, those are two other names in, for deeper leagues. And Seth Robert creeping back, yes, it looks yes, like as yeah. well. So, I mean, of those, obviously, Martavis Bryant has the most athletic upside. So that's the dart throw if you're looking for a ceiling play that I'd be most confident in. But Seth Roberts has proven to be a solid possession receiver in times past, you know. No, but Roberts think... is great call. Great call. Carr loves him in the red zone. Really good call. All right. Well, let's go out on my good call for the next topic. And that is, you know what? I think we need to coffee talk about this one because this is much more of a, a discussion. Coffee talk. Is it time to start handcuffing Dalton? I mean, not handcuffing Dalton, handcuffing, comma, uh, Dalton, question mark. Yes. Uh, Scott Pianowski wrote uh, an interesting article, and it touched on this very aspect. And um, I, I agree with him in the sense that it's difficult earlier on in the year or during drafts. It's kind of like trying to get the, the closer next up in fantasy baseball. It's often the fool's errand. But now is the time you certainly can. And Malcolm Brown and Spencer Ware are two two players probably available in a lot of leagues and, and now would be the time to handcuff but past those two guys you know I looked I looked around and a lot of the guys like Austin Eckler Duke Johnson they're not even really considered backups and they're and they're often owned in most leagues anyway it's not really like back in the day when there were a ton of these just clear backups now there's so many two three committees it, it really is there are just few of the Malcolm Browns out there but but now is certainly time to stash those guys for sure well what about I mean I think Spencer Ware would be the first handcuffing player yep. on the list of priorities and we've seen him on the field too we we there is a um sample size from which we can project as well so i like that call i also think maybe rod smith is an option yeah. he backs up zeke elliott in dallas wayne gallman potentially behind Saquon Barkley. Obviously, you're not going to get the same production. There's going to be a drop-off, but you also need to roster players, and the <laughs> the Giants are their own thing. Yeah, no, it's totally different in fantasy football just in, in other sports. It's all about opportunity. So Spencer Ware could go from being available in 85% of leagues to being a slam-dunk top 10 fantasy running back that very next week. So it's, it, things can change that quickly. All right, so now let's get into the Halloween-ness of this episode. Since the Halloween 3 boot, this is the third time they've tried to do it, movie is currently number one at the box office. I want to talk about a few players who've been terrorizing fantasy leagues all stinking season. <laughs> Producer Brett really did his homework for this one, <laughs> right? Producer Thank Brett, you. do you have like fake blood at home? Are you one of those? No, oh, no, no, I'm not like a magician or anything. Magician? I was going to say know, like into like, Halloween. No, no. <laughs> magician. Uh, I, don't know, I just feel like magician types are like, oh, here's my closet with uh, all these fake corpses and stuff. And I, you know, I don't know. You think magicians have fake corpses? Oh, it's people who are into the dark arts. Okay. So I I feel very safe now alone in this room that's padded. I said I'm sad. not one of those people. <laughs> But you mentioned corpse. Anyway, corpses are something that Freddy Krueger created a lot of a lot of back in the day or still currently. Are they still making Nightmare on Elm Street movies? I'm sure there's going to be a new one. With Remember me. the the um, the Freddy Krueger versus Jason? Oh, yes. OK, so I want to know, though, from you, let's save this for the horror fantasy podcast. But Dalton, who is the player who's terrorizing you in your sleep and haunting your dreams a la Freddy Krueger? 
I actually watching a horror show on Netflix. Uh, I'm probably going to mess up the name. The House of Haunting Hills, <gasps> yes. called, I believe. Anyway, it's not bad. I'm a few episodes in and I recommend it. I'm not a huge fan of the genre in general, but I saw some good reviews and I'm, uh, I'm interested in it. But my player is Le'Veon Bell because I'm in two different homelies. One from my high school buddy has been in for 20 years and another with like wife and, and fr- friends around here locally in person. Both of them this year, I happen to get the number two pick. And it was before any holdout talk whatsoever. So I have Bell just rotting on my two Mm. teams that are important to me, far more than any like big money leagues that I'm in or whatsoever in the industry. And it's just I look like a total donkey and and a bad record because (laughs) another home league I came back with Jarek McKinnon in round two. So Le'Veon Bell, who knows if he's going to return, you know, even if in week 10, how out of shape he's going to be. Um, I mean, I could even now, you know, I would say, well, you know, it could be David Johnson wasn't the greatest one pick after. But now Byron Leftwich is even yes. saying he's going to emulate Bruce Arians' usage. So I'm yes. kind of worried there. And obviously, we just talked about Todd Gurley, you know, one coin flip, one pick away from having the best pick ever to having a literal zero. I mean, so Le'Veon Bell for me. That makes sense. I love that you mentioned David Johnson. This is a bit of a tangent, but I noted this. I was on Running Backs for Fearless Forecast this week, so I recorded all of those on Tuesday. And Byron Left, which played under Bruce Arians, learned under Bruce Arians, has yeah. said he needs to get Larry Fitzgerald more involved and also wants to emulate Bruce Arians' style of using David Johnson in space. I think that anybody who listened to all of us and bought on David Johnson out of that matchup against Minnesota is going to be very happy down the stretch, or at least maybe not very happy, but satisfied down the stretch. Keep an eye on him. I I think it's going to be only good things trending throughout the rest of the year. So let me talk about the guy who spooks me, and that is Andy Dalton. Man, the ginger fist is scary. He has passed for just four total touchdowns over his last three games, and those are matchups, back-to-back matchups against Pittsburgh and Kansas City, who are giving up loads of points. I know the last game, Week Seven's contest against the Chiefs, was... On primetime. And there is a narrative about Andy Dalton and bright lights and primetime. But come on. He has the weapons. He has the O-line. He had the matchups. Couldn't do nothing except come through with CJ Uzuma, who was on my deep sleepers list. So so there you go. But uh, Andy Dalton... And this week he's got Tampa Bay, Dalton. Like, it's so tempting. You see the potential here, but you know you're just going to get ginger fist either way. Like, if I start him, he's not going to give me top 13, top 14 numbers. And if I bench him, you know that's like one of the three weeks he goes off for like top seven fantasy numbers. Totally hear you with Andy Dalton. I had him as a top five fantasy QB last week. I just ignore that narrative of primetime, and it's been to, to my detriment. Obviously, 5.1 YPA against the Chiefs. I mean, that's it's pretty bad. I, again, have him ranked as a, as a top 10 start this week. But yeah, uh, doing the Dalton name wrong with these last couple of weeks. <laughs> really, really frustrating, for sure. Agreed. Dalton, are you are you one of those people who's afraid of clowns? No, I can't say that I am one of those. They don't spook you. I'm not afraid of clowns either. So then you and I probably both watched it without being totally terrified. And it was the highest grossing horror movie at the box office. I want to know from a fantasy perspective, who is your Pennywise the dancing clown? Who tricked you into drafting them this year and then ripped your arm off? Once you did. Well, you say Pennywise. I say Rashad Pennywise. Is a, yes, of course. Come on. You got, you got to go with Rashad Penny there. It's a, it works too perfectly. I kind of did actually really fall for the whole, the hype of, a, you know, they got it. They did a great job of drafting a, a guy with the college metrics that is going to translate on the football field. And then not only could he beat out Chris, not beat out Chris 
Chris Carson, but there's Mike Davis now. So I don't understand why a team would spend that capital. I guess there's a weight issue with the injuries and all that. But man, just just a frustrating situation with, with the rookie backfield in Seattle. And information now that he has re-injured his finger. So he's yeah, even... What, what in, next? Right, well, because I think, you know, heading into their bye, Mike Davis didn't see as many touches as Penny, but that's because they were in a blowout. So I think they were just getting the younger guy some reps. A lot of people were optimistic about that moving forward. But now I feel like the finger injury means he's buried again. So forget the optimism there. Uh, for me, can we just say like the entirety of the Tennessee Titans... <laughs> like yeah. the whole stinking can, team yeah. has ripped off not just my arm, but both limbs, my legs. They've strangled me a little bit. I, Corey Davis, that got real dark. That was like a saw reference. Um, <laughs> Corey Davis, I really thought in his second year was going to be something. Did you know that from a, a fantasy perspective, Cole Beasley has out? produced crazy that's I awful didn't. wow that is yeah. for perspective oh my goodness i yeah, think he the stayed le- healthy and seen a ton of targets too yep. it's not like an injury to blame yeah that's awful i think the lesson here is that evolution takes time maybe sean mcveigh can happen to an offense but that is the exception not the rule and it takes a little we saw matt ryan in 2016 had this incredible year but in 2015 under kyle shanahan he was completely lost in the playbook so i think sometimes it takes a minute for all of the pieces to come together and that is more usual than not and recency bias made us think about sean mcfay and this is the same coaching tree things are going to change overnight in nashville and they absolutely have not yeah, I know it's been a disaster. Mariota struggling uh, away from home. Derrick Henry's been droppable. Delaney Walker obviously suffered the injury. Yeah, just a, a nightmare there in Tennessee. So I want to travel across the pond because the NFL is doing just that. The Jags are playing the Eagles this week in London. Dalton, who is your American werewolf in London? Is there a player from either team who you expect to terrorize the English countryside and wake up naked in an alley the next morning? And and you can't say Chad Kelly because he has not yet been acquired by either of these teams. All right. Well, I probably took this question wrong, but I just use it as a player to avoid in fantasy. And we can't look too much into matchups. You know, it doesn't always work out perfectly. But man, this one just kind of does scream if you look look a little bit under the hood here. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, uh, he faces a slot corner in Dexter McDougal, who's allowed the fewest fantasy points per pass route in among all all corners, not just to, among any position. And he covers a slot 65% of the time. D.D. runs there 94% of the time. Conversely, Keelan Cole... He lines up on the right side where, where the Philadelphia Eagles have allowed the second most fantasy points. So if you if you believe in those type of matchups, it sets up well for Keelan Cole and the guy you want to run away from, the guy who may you know, turn into a freak would be Didi Westbrook. What do you got for me, Liz? Maybe I misinterpreted this question altogether. So, yeah, so I didn't go that way. I went with someone who would beast all over the place and then return to being just a mortal human. Uh, that's, that's probably redundant. the better way. I, I probably blew it. So, so correct me here. So Bring I, us back to I was going to mention Alshon Jeffrey, who has been, you know, heading into the season, he was hurt. We were like, oh, those soft tissue issues. He had his miracle season in 2017. He has looked incredible. Yes, the numbers bear out. He's had a top 10 fantasy performance in three of his last four games, and he's been a top seven producer in back-to-back weeks and versus incredible cornerbacks. I mean, Janoris Jenkins, the jackrabbit, he hasn't been as efficient this year, but he's certainly not a slouch. Jeffrey ripped two touchdowns off of him. James Bradbury, who is someone that is rounding in 
into form for Carolina secondary he scored against. And he did this crazy, like, do-si-do under his arm tackle-breaking move. It was out of square dancing 101. Completely impressed me. He has looked incredible. I do have him because of the matchup against Jalen Ramsey, presumably, as my wide receiver 24. But I would not be surprised if he produces beyond that. I think you have to start him. Also, there are injuries to the Jags secondary. A.J. Bouye not traveling with the team and Tyler Patman, the slot receiver, also staying back in Florida. So maybe that opens things up for Nelson Aguilar, though. Man, you got to be brave to put... (laughs) put your chips into that, especially because those London games always get goofy. Or Jordan Matthews, who's been quiet since his, you know, one catch for one touchdown upon returning to Philadelphia in that first effort. Yeah, no, I was going to say AJ Boye Boye out could be huge. And this should be a really interesting game with two uh, really desperate teams, two of the most disappointing teams from from each conference. I agree. I, I think that Alshon Jeffrey, just based on the way he's playing, will will absolutely win someone a, a couple of leagues this week. But You know, I want to talk about aliens because that's like a genre of Halloween and horror movies that people don't necessarily move to initially. I always said if I had a daughter, I'd want to name her Ripley. I didn't. I didn't do that. (laughs) But but it sounded like a great idea at the time. So do you like alien movies? Yeah, so I, I don't really remember them too much. I know part three was directed by David Fincher, whom I love. I love his work. So I remember that as a kid, but I haven't seen Aliens in a long time. I'd be lying if I told you otherwise. What about yourself? I would like to rewatch the first Alien, especially now that special effects have changed so much. But like, I'm down. I dig E.T. That's not a scary Alien movie, but I think any of that other world aliens come into a stuff is interesting. That sci-fi fantasy stuff. What I'm most interested in are xenomorphs, and I think they might be lurking in our presence in, in fantasy football presences, of course. I mean, I want to know who your fantasy xenomorph might be for the rest of the season. And this is, you know, someone who's been hiding in a little egg for the first half of the season that you think might go on a killing spree in the second half. Okay, well, Marlon Mack is my guy, but the caveat is he's missing practice now. So maybe he'll go back to being injured and this will all go for naught. But man, I hope he can play because he looked two weeks ago, mm. 89 rushing yards and just 12 carries. Broke out last week. Obviously a fantastic matchup at home against Buffalo. But man, he totaled more than 150 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns. The setup here, I mean, at one point it looked like, oh, the Colts backfield is just going to be a disaster all year. But if it's not a committee, this is an offense that's running the fastest pace in the NFL. So it's actually a pretty good setup. So if that ankle's healthy, facing an Oakland team that's just, I mean, they're, they're, they've checked out, I think. I mean, yeah. I don't know if they've totally quit on their coach, but they they can't defend the run well, even when they were trying hard. So seems like a disaster. Um, the Colts, Marlon Mack, if he's healthy the rest of season, I mean, the guy can catch the ball three down and, and in the goal line area. So really like Marlon Mack's potential. If and there he can get healthy. are not many workhorses available. So I love that pick. I'm going to talk about Traquan Smith, the rookie receiver in New Orleans. He is owned, by the way, in just 27 percent of Yahoo leagues still, which I find fascinating and is probably uh, more evidence of the fact that the wide receiver position is so deep. But he has it, Both his snaps and routes, number of routes run, have increased since the beginning of this season. He's been on the field for over 70% of the team's snaps in back-to-back weeks. As we know, Ted Ginn is on IR, which has elevated Smith to the number two wide receiver spot. It doesn't hurt to have Drew Brees, who's been accurate and aggressive as ever, throwing him the ball. An interesting wrinkle, they're at Minnesota this week. Xavier Rhodes is banged up and may not play. 
Oh, yeah, that would be absolutely huge. And anyone who watched Smith in the preseason, he just dominated and looked so, so explosive. And yeah, no roads could be huge. All right. So we just talked about what fantasy players have been jumping out of the closet and stabbing us. <laughs> so we asked you today to at us. Don't at me, bro. And your answers to the same question are about to be revealed. Which fantasy players remind you of a character from a horror movie at Justy underscore Rusty? He believes that Alex Collins is that creepy doll from Goosebumps that you keep around but don't want to play with. Thoughts on that, Dalton? Do you think Alex Collins looks like a creepy doll that you keep? Also, like, Justy Rusty, like, what does your bedroom look like that you're keeping dolls around? Like, you living in Michigan and your mom's into that porcelain doll thing, collectors? I, I don't I don't get it. I just I don't keep dolls around my house. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of a comparison. I don't remember Goosebumps that much either. So, yeah, I can't come up with a clever, clever take here. I'm sorry. I will say that I, I think you're going to appreciate the uniqueness of that doll because that doll survives a winter better than most. And as the mercury drops, <laughs> that doll will not crumble, will not fade, just like Alex Collins did down the stretch last year and will, I guarantee, I just said guarantee on a fantasy podcast, that's not great, um, <laughs> and will down the stretch in 2018. At local underscore idiot, believes that, like nice. you, Le'Veon is the invisible man. Yeah, he really is. I'd love for that to be untrue very, very soon. What is your prediction on that, by the way? I, I think he's probably just waiting for the trade deadline, and obviously then he's got to come back to check in for this year. But do you think he's going to actually be productive, or is he just going to come up with an injury right away and just, you know, ride out the rest wow. of the year? Wow. I mean, you think because he's rusty and not working out, like he'll pull a hammy because he's not in football shape? Pretty much. That's what his teammates suggested even should do, his, his, his former teammates. I mean, or, or are you optimistic? I mean, I, like I said, I have been a couple leagues myself. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have some vested interest in Le'Veon Bell. Well, it doesn't make sense for him to report now, right? Like, you should wait until after the trade period. That makes sense to me. I think the Steelers want to win a Super Bowl and they have an aging quarterback and Antonio Brown's not getting younger. And Vance McDonald happens to be fingers crossed healthy right now and adding a really physical element to this offense that it's been lacking over the since Heath Miller's departure. So I think that they look at the Patriots and they see maybe the begin the ending, the beginning of the end of a dynasty, and they think, well, shoot, if Le'Veon can take us to the promised land, we are not going to get rid of him. Like, let's just have depth at a position that it's hard to have depth. The question, though, is that both of these runners seem to be runners of rhythm, right? Like they both seem to be running backs. I mean, that that's a generalization about a lot of running backs. But I think, um, you know, Jordan Howard is similar. Like it takes a couple of reps to get the mojo moving. And I think both Bell and Connor are cut from a similar cloth in terms of that. So I, I imagine he's going to see the field. My worry, though, is that you're going to have two workhorses cannibalizing each other. Yeah, James, it's going to be really interesting if, when James Conner has a massive game this weekend, and then and then Bell returns in. So yeah, it could just be a committee. It's a quite an interesting situation that's finally going to come to a head soon, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. And finally, at the Crow's Nest, uh, believes that Dalvin Cook is the player that's been haunting his dreams. And he's like Two-Face from the Batman series. He's good when healthy, but then never healthy. That's would be the the two faces that he's showing. Well, now there was a good handcuff you owned Latavius Murray from the get go mm -hmm. because he's certainly help, helping you out. Man, Cook is just a lost season, just a disaster. I don't think you can count on him at all the rest of the season. Do you, do you own any shares of him? I don't, um, but I am 
at least grateful that they've stopped this. He might practice. He won't practice. Set back this. Set back that. And instead are deciding to rest him through the team's week 10 bye. And so we won't have question marks surrounding him until week 11, which seems like a bit of a reprieve from this up and down. Yeah. Yeah. No, at minimum, they better do that. But hopefully you can get him back after the bye. But man, what a what a frustrating year it's been. It is time for another Rock'em Sock'em Ranks with our own Brad Evans and Andy Barons. Just to recap, last week, Brad won. The current score is one on one. This week, they're going to talk about Mitch Trubisky, Chris Carson, Kenny Galladay, and Robbie Anderson. Brad Evans, Sir Andrew Barons, back once again for another edition of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks, a week eight version Barons, I won last week two to one. What? Yeah. Recount. No, no, no. There are no hanging chads here. Uh, That is an accurate assessment. Um, In this day and age, uh, daddy dominated. (laughs) But I believe you are. I I think we're even on the season series right now. That sounds right. That that may be up for uh, debate, but let, let's go ahead and dive into. It. We got a number of players to discuss here, and uh, why there's such a huge schism between the two of us in terms of our ranks. Let's start at the quarterback position. I, I don't understand. I, I I still believe that you were playing the reverse psychology, Brandon Funston style card oh, here. This hurts me, Mitchell Trubisky. I ranked aggressively. I think I was actually the most aggressive uh, industry pundit last week and he delivered uh and put you know a little layer of icing on top of that cake with a 50 yard bomb that uh wish I w- it was 51 yards to Kevin White cuz we would have been talking <laughs> about an overtime game but uh football is a game of inches but Trubisky delivered 333 yards last week got it done on the ground got it done through the air despite a couple of turnovers here or there this week I'm a QB7 I am not budging off that QB1 line you also have him as a QB1 though in 12 team leagues and the lowest QB one. So tell me why you're not on the bandwagon with both cheeks firmly planted like I am on Mr. Trubisky. Yeah, I, I got to say, this is just going to be one of those cases where if he ends up having one of those great fantasy seasons that is actually not a great real life season, um, you know, think of Bortles a couple years ago. This happens from time to time. I, I'm just going to be low man on him um, fairly often because he like he was not good against the Patriots. He barely completed 50 percent of his throws, had a bunch of completions that were that were actually poorly thrown balls. Um, he was guessing just pure guessing and throwing into a crowd two or three times. Um, he could have had four or five interceptions. I mean, he didn't. So, yay, uh, we got that going for us. <laughs> It just like it was a poor quarterbacking game, and it is really hard for me to then take that and say, "Well, hey, the matchup's good and the system's good." I mean, it is. The matchup is good. Like the Jets have been shredded over the over the past four games or so. I think they've given up ten touchdowns in that time. Like, it's not a bad matchup. I I accept it, and he does have a decent floor because we basically expect him to run for thirty five, forty yards every week now too. I'm I'm sort of grudgingly accepting that he's going to be, I don't know, Jim Everett style, Blake Bortles style, useful for fantasy, not particularly useful in real life. So I've got him at 12. Like, I feel like I'm coming around, but it is very difficult for me to go higher than that when he's just purely not a good quarterback right now. I mean, he's not like a top 25 real life NFL quarterback right now, so I can really only go so high. Come to butthead. That's all I have to say. You get come I, I, this whole come thing would be easier side. if I just weren't watching. Like I, it would be so right. much easier to rank him. Top right. Eight. 
Look, it, it was a train wreck last week, but uh, train wrecks uh, can turn into beautiful things, apparently. They'll throw all the <laughs> twisted metal and carnage along the way, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Thank had goodness a, you don't work for like the National Transportation Safety Board or something. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I, I do not work for Western Pacific or anything of that nature. Uh, but it, look, here's the deal with Trubisky. Uh, it is a great matchup, as you mentioned. Yeah, the Jets are giving up just seven pass yards per attempt, but they have allowed the 13th most fantasy points, 285 yards per game, 1.9 airstrikes per game as well. And Trubisky, number one, Barons, with a bullet the last three weeks in terms of fantasy points per game output. And what I love about him is the same reason I mentioned last week. He always raises the floor because of his rushing ability. He is a better runner than he is a passer right now. That and is. I, I will accept that all day long. So that's why I got him in QB7, and you have him as a fringy QB1 in 12-team leagues. I would agree to disagree there. Another one we're going to agree to disagree on. Let's go to the running back position in Chris Carson. Off the one-week siesta, the Seattle Seahawks travel to Detroit to face those Hello Kitties uh, who have allowed an obscene amount of yards and yards per carry the running back position. You're at RB20. I am at RB10. Explain yourself. This is a tough one, too. Like, I get it. I appreciate the matchup. We think about Detroit throughout this season. They've given up big games to Crowell, to Breida, to Zeke Elliott. Kenyon Drake had a nice day against him. Um, if you could promise me 20 carries, which you can't, I, I would say he's must-start material. Uh, Seattle's last game... It was 14 touches for Carson. It was 11 for your guy, Rashad Penny. It yeah. was seven for Mike Davis. Uh, so despite the appealing matchup, I just don't know that the workload's going to be there. We could very well be looking at a and maybe 12 touches against uh, against Detroit is enough. That could very well be. But we could be looking at only a dozen touches here, and it's really difficult for somebody to crack my top 15 when I don't think they're going to get a full workload. I think that is a fair assessment, uh, knowing that it is a bit of a running back carousel right now up there in the Emerald City. Uh, but I, in my estimation, this is pure gut feeling. I think he's going to get at least 15 touches in this one. Coming off the of bye week, uh, I think they're going to feed the beast here. Chris Carson one of four running backs that ranks inside the top 10 in yards after contact per attempt, elusive rating, and yards created per carry. Seattle runs it right around 57% of the time. And as I mentioned, the Lions allow the six most fancy points, over six yards per carry at 156.7 total yards per game. I think he goes over the century mark, Andy, and I think he finds the end zone as well. Roar. That was my lion sound. Uh, that was really good. Thank you. Uh, you got a future. If they ever uh, do a remake of Wizard of Oz, I mean, you should play the line. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, let's go to wide receiver. We're going to try to sneak in two guys here before we have to exit stage left and give the floor back to the lovely Liv Zloza. Let's talk about one of her pet players and Kenny G, Kenny Galladay, belting out some smooth tunes this year, Barons. Uh, Galladay, I have at wide receiver 30, however, this week in that aforementioned uh, matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. You're at 19. I, I got a feeling that you're being swayed by subjectivity here because you really love the guy, too. Well, I mean, he's Kenny damn Galladay. So sure. Uh, I, I think I think he should generally rank as a as a wide receiver, too. Uh, he's essentially played to that uh, position throughout the season. You look at the target totals. He's got 43 on the season. He's got three touchdowns. Would have had a fourth last week, but it was negated by penalty, not a penalty on him. Um, he was, you know, again, one flag away from having a really good fantasy day. Hasn't really had dud performances throughout the season. Until last week, uh, it had been either 70 yards or a touchdown in every game. I just think he has a very high floor. 
Uh, again, I think that is fair. I think that's justified. He is uh, number seven in yards per target at 10.8, number 18 in yards after the catch. But Seattle, even down Earl Thomas, has been rather stiff, unrelenting to the wide receiver position. Just 10.9 yards per catch, 6.8 pass yards per attempt. And I think he's going to see a lot of Shaq Griffin in this game. Griffin giving up a 78.6 passer rating, 1.26 yards per snap on the season as a collective. Only four wideouts have gone past the 65-yard mark against the Seahawks. And I, I think Galladay will extend that, actually. I think he'll actually hit 70 yards. I just don't think he finds the end zone. Yeah, credit to the Seahawks for being much better defensively than uh, I, I would have given them credit for coming into the season, particularly the secondary. All right, let's go back to the Bears matchup against the Jets. Robbie Anderson, you and I are very different here. You're at wide receiver 39. I'm at wide receiver 25, so very high-end wide receiver three, in my estimation, in 12-team leagues. You and I both agreed last week that the vulnerability of this Bears defense is clearly in the secondary, and they did get exposed a bit. Uh, Josh Gordon should have gone to the house if he wasn't yep. lumbering like Frankenstein there at the end of that, <laughs> that long catch. Uh, but uh, really, you know, Tom Brady exposed this defense for what it is, and its shortcomings there in terms of defending the pass. So, uh, you know, obviously Sam Darnold's nowhere near the caliber of players Tom Brady, but tell me your reasoning on Robbie Anderson. Yeah, so that's the thing. Can Sam Darnold do the things that Tom Brady has done to the Bears, that uh, Aaron Rodgers has done to the Bears, that, you know, to be fair, that Brock Osweiler has done to the Bears, it's possible. The issue with Anderson is he's such a, you know, this is just such a swing for the fences play. Like, I get it. Sometimes I like to use my wide receiver three for a guy like this where I only expect it, you know, the the Devery Henderson special where I only expect him to get two or three catches and maybe (laughs) he takes one to the house. Um, He has no more than three catches in any game this season, and that that is certainly a problem problem for, uh, for me right like I'm, I, I get that he's coming off a season high in targets but again they were Sam Darnold targets uh, he finishes with three catches 44 yards Darnold himself has less than 200 passing yards in four of seven games this season uh, again the Bears secondary could struggle they could hit a home run in this one, but I feel like the most likely outcome is like three catches 40 yards I see your Devery Henderson and I raise you a James Jett <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you want to go for like long bomb specialists, uh, I will uh, raise you a Darnay Scott. Uh, well, oh, now there's a little rabbit out of the head or hat. <laughs> I don't know what the phrase is anymore based on what Jason Witten tells me, because I always follow what he says. Uh, Robbie Anderson, 16.5 target percentage. Yeah, that's lowly. He's only averaging 44.9 yards per game. He said less than three yards uh, or excuse me, three receptions per contest. But number five in yards per reception, the Bears of a lot of the seventh most uh, yards per game uh, and fantasy points as well to the wide receiver position, giving up a 70.7 catch percentage. It's just a trust your gut call. That's all there is to it because it's going to take a long bomb for me to justify the insanity of having Robbie Anderson at wide receiver 25. Well, the Bears are willing to give him up, so it's certainly possible. All right, so that is a wrap on this edition of Rock'em Sock'em Robots. We got Darnay Scott in there, Devery Henderson, James Jett, Liz. <laughs> those, are I, the, those are the names that people demand, aren't they? Yes, and Liz and Dalton, I challenge you to one-up both of us. Back to you. Oh, I see your challenge, Brad. Well, first of all, a challenge from a guy who called your segment Rock'em Sock'em Robots which is not the title of the segment, isn't entirely intimidating. But I got one for you. How about Jordan Shipley? Boom. He uh, was a Texas product and in 
Week 7 at Atlanta of the 2012 season, he went off for 131 yards and a touchdown, breaking off a 64-yard touchdown and was pretty much never heard from again. And I believe he played for the Cincinnati Bengals. Dalton, who do you have? All right, so Lee Evans is not obscure because he had a couple decent seasons, if I remember correctly. But off the top of my head, he just popped to mind because I think he was number 83 and he caught two 83-yard touchdown passes from J.P. Lossman in the first quarter of the same game. So that is just one thing that sticks to me. I remember years and years ago watching that, and that that was just a crazy number 83 catching two 83-yard touchdowns from the immortal J.P. Lossman. So Lee Evans for me. Oh, I like that one. I want to talk about daily fantasy because sometimes if you're hurting in your regular season, season long league, you can make up for it in some DFS. And there are some bargains to be had this week. Running back bargains are always ones that I'm searching for because they make excellent flex. Our daily game is a half point PPR flex, but obviously getting that touchdown works out nicely. And I want to discuss Raheem Mostert. He's at Arizona. They are giving up the most fantasy points to the running back position. Only $13. Matt Burita, as you know, a 49ers fan, cannot stay healthy. I got to give the guy credit for gutting it out and trying to stay on the field, but let's give him a break. Some extended time. Raheem Mostert has looked good. He leapfrogged Alfred Morris. He has decent hands. He's, in fact, uh, converted 100% of his looks this season. Undrafted out of Purdue. 4-4 speed. Not the most powerful guy. Kind of considered a a special teamer, if you will, but can do really special things in space. And when you think about Kyle Shanahan and why he fell in love with Jarek McKinnon and the kind of running backs he likes to scheme for, I think Raheem Mostert will be an excellent fit moving forward. Yeah, he's just learning the running back position. He wasn't even playing that full time in college. I'm with you. The Shanahan system, I mean, the running back position, we're just waiting for someone to emerge and stay healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's not as high upside with Jimmy G out, but it still can be productive. So, yeah, next man up. And it looks like Mostert. The other running back I wanted to mention, I already talked about a little bit before, was Jalen Richard again versus Indianapolis this week. He's $13 in our game. Fun fact about the Colts. They are giving up the third most catches to the running back position. That obviously fits well with Richard's skill set. Yes, I mean, my guy's the same game, but Derek Carr, I, I mentioned the Colts are the fastest paced team, so there should be some scoring. I know it's, they, it looks like a total disaster, the, the Raiders right now, but Carr is the second cheapest quarterback on the, the Yahoo DFS slate. Uh, it's a bit of a funnel defense for the Colts. The, their DVOA, I think they ranked eighth against the run and t- outside top 20 against the pass over under over 50 this game. So give me Carr, give me Richard. Actually, I even like Bryant and, and Nelson super cheap too. So I know that the Raiders are considered a, you know, just a complete disaster, stay away tanking team. But, you know, now might be the time to hold your nose and buy. Mm-hmm. Mine. Mine as much as you can. Do you also like uh, a bear? I do. Tariq Cohen. Over the last three games, he scored three touchdowns. He's averaged 93.3 receiving yards, uh, getting more than seven targets per game. Allen Robinson's banged up. I mean, that's just obvious. He's a top 15 back for me this week. But I look at the price, 17 bucks. I believe he's the 24th most expensive running back. So you want a bargain for me, Tariq Cohen, definitely. The, the prices certainly haven't caught up to Tariq Cohen's production. And anytime the Bears get him involved, their offense is, mm, well, yes, much more productive, but also more cohesive. He has become Mitch Trubisky's favorite checkdown option as well and someone he 
feels comfortable throwing to in a way that he is not Jordan Howard. So I like that pick a lot. Let's talk about fades. Um, I want to talk about Russell Wilson versus Detroit because Russell Wilson is part of an offense that is now calling the fewest passing plays in the league. This is a run first operation. It is Chris Carson's gig. You would think this sets up nicely for the run because the Lions are so generous, though they did just add Snacks Harrison from the Giants. But I still think paying $32 for a quarterback who may not throw the ball that much when Kirk Cousins is available at a slightly higher price makes no sense. Yeah, I'm with you. The way to attack the Lions is on the ground, and the, the Seattle runs the football more than any other team. Wilson may, may play better the second half. For some reason, his whole career, he just lights it up far more in the second half of seasons. But yeah, the setup here, and given the price, and so many decent quarterback options, I'm with you. Slow starters, for sure. Eric Ebron at Oakland is another one. I do like him. He's been productive, but he's $21 in our daily game, and... Jack Doyle, well, T.Y. Hilton's back, caught a touchdown last week. Jack Doyle might play, which would obviously negatively affect Ebron's volume. I just don't want to pay $21 at a super variant position when someone like Njoku, who's at Pittsburgh this week, um, and who I have ranked ahead of Ebron anyway at my tight end five, is only $16. Yep, I'm with you there. Uzuma is another interesting option against Tampa Bay. Um, my fade is uh, Christian McCaffrey at $26 uh, against the, the Ravens. McCaffrey, uh, listen, I, I, he is kind of turned into a workhorse, but uh, he has had a fewer than 100 yards from scrimmage in four of six games, one touchdown total on the year. The Ravens have allowed the fewest fantasy points to running backs. I don't know. Uh, he's a stay away from me this week. What do you think, Liz? I totally agree. I don't think he's had a rushing touchdown yet this season. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah, he has one. It was it was through the air. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the uh, the idea of him becoming this this monster feature back, and it still may get there, but um, this hasn't really quite translated. And this matchup is a, is a difficult one this week. I have him projected for 96 total yards, and I think that's generous given the matchup, but no scores. Yeah. Who else are you fading? I think this one's surprising. Okay, so I, I wrote Brandon Cooks here, and it's just because of the price. Obviously, I like Brandon Cooks without Cooper Cup and, and in a shootout, and they're going to score a ton of points against the Packers. But hear me out. Woods is $27, so he's cheaper. Mm-hmm. And against the slot and in this matchup, the Packers have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to the left side. That's where Brandon Cooks lines up primarily, whereas Woods is all over the place in the slot and on the right side where the Packers are vulnerable. So if you do believe in those metrics and they line up similar sides that they have in the past, especially given their prices, I'd far more lean more towards Woods than I would Brandon Cooks. But obviously in season long, you're firing up Cooks in this matchup. I think that's a great point. And we would never want to fade our audience. We adore you guys. Thank you for listening. That is going to do it for the midweek show. We will be back on Sunday. Matt Harmon and uh, Scott Pianowski will be steering the ship. I have other commitments that evening, but I hope you come back regardless. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. Be sure to submit your Twitter questions to us at Yahoo Fantasy. That's at Dalton Del Don. And um, get your candy corn and your autumn mix. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.